We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Welcome to a special episode of The Secrets of Star Wars. I'm Father Roderick, and I'm joined today by my good friend Dom Bettinelli because we are going to discuss Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Warning, this is going to be completely spoiler-filled. We are going to assume that you've seen the movie already. Um, if that's the case, you probably have seen it perhaps more than once, um, and or that you don't care. But then why would you listen to this episode? Dom, welcome to the show. Thanks, Father. Very excited to be here to talk to you again about Star Wars. This will be a day long remembered. <laughs> um, we're recording this um, the, the uh, well right after the, the movie premiered. It premiered last week. I got to see it very, very early, much earlier than I thought, because I got a last-minute invitation by Disney the Netherlands to see it on the day that it was premiering in in a lot of countries all over the world. You just saw it uh, last Friday, wasn't it? That's right. Uh, I was not jealous of you because jealousy leads to anger, and anger leads to hate, and we all know how that ends up. So I, I don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be Darth Globulus or something like that. So uh, uh, I was not jealous, and but uh, I did I did go on uh, on Friday, which for some I bought my ticket in advance, and for some reason I forgot that there's this new thing here, where if a movie is is uh, its opening date is is say the nineteenth, the uh, first movie the movies that you can see will be showing on the evening of the eighteenth. Um, apparently be, the theaters have adapted uh, the liturgical calendar or something like that right, for movies. It, it used to be the midnight screening. Um, and, and then I think they did, just did what a lot of churches do with Christmas. Instead of doing the midnight mass, they will move it to 8 <laughs> o'clock. <laughs> it's like, that's no longer midnight mass. We'll still call it that way. So, yes. oh well. It left me with a very fraught Friday where I tried to avoid anything on social media that could potentially spoil it for me. I can imagine. Although I have to say that the most of the fans have been very kind. I didn't see many spoilers. Well, now they're starting to, to pop up. Uh, you see images of, uh, of Tarkin and uh, Leia, and, and it's, it's yeah. right there in my timeline. You know, nobody yeah. nobody cares, apparently. If you don't see this within two days, you're not a real Star Wars fan, so you you deserve to be spoiled. <laughs> Although, for those who want to have, um, to be able to talk spoilers about the movie uh, and not spoil it for other people, there is um, a, a Facebook group I've set up. I set it up last year, actually, before The Force Awakens, uh, the Secrets of Star Wars uh, discussion group on Facebook. Um, you, you can you, you either search for that on Facebook or just um, uh, you know send me a, a Facebook message and I'll, I'll add to, add you to the group if you want to join us. We're all in there having fun debating the fine points of uh, whether you know this or that should have been done, which uh, which we'll do some of. Uh, in this show, I'm sure. Yes, and the link will be also in the show notes that you can find over at tridio.com. That's T-R-I-D-E-O.com. So today we're not going to do like an in-depth, minute-by-minute discussion because I think if we we did that, we tried to do that for some of the trailers and it took like two hours to get to one (laughs) three-minute trailer. Instead, we will just give you our first reactions, our random thoughts, the things that we love, the things that that surprised us, the, 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 the... Easter eggs that we noticed and so this will be far from comprehensive but that's the fun of this movie and many other Star Wars movies as well Um, you can watch these a hundred times and still discover new things and have new material for discussions and and I've seen the movie twice so far the second time I saw a ton more things and uh, I even had a different perception of the movie which was really weird because let me describe the setting where I first saw the, the premiere it was in a big old factory in Amsterdam, near near even outside of Amsterdam, near a harbor. It felt like I was, like, uh, entering an area where n- usually the mafia will kill their their <laughs> their problem makers. You know, it's like really, am I going to see a premiere here? It, it, it was so abandoned. It was the kind of place where they they throw you in a in a in a hole in the ground and pour uh, concrete on top of you. But one thing reassured me, Darth Vader was waiting for me outside with his red lightsaber and there was a stormtrooper next to him. Um, and the both of them were like, hey, that's Father Roderick. So I knew that I was in the right place. <laughs> I should be worried probably that the, the darks, the Imperials know me so well. <laughs> but then we enter this big, big, 
a factory hall and it is there is a huge screen but it is pretty high up on the wall and you have about 500 seats probably but they're plastic chairs this is not a, a movie theater this is like a uh, i heard afterwards that this is also a place where they record big t television shows so it's a massive space um and uh, I had been waiting for my brother who had to come from the south of the country and he had a, had a lot of traffic problems. So he arrived like five minutes before the movie started. And so oh. the only seats left were right there on the front row. Now, the front row in a movie theater is already bad, but this was like I was craning my neck as if I was watching a, an Imperial Star Destroyer hovering above my my city. You know, it's like... I, I honestly didn't know if I would make it to the end of the movie. That's how much my, oh, my wow. neck was already hurting. And then if you sit on the front row, and it was 3D, so we had these plastic goggles. I have usually here at home in my theater, I have got quality 3D goggles, but these were cheap things, you know, throwaway goggles. And so in that craned position, like even the 3D wasn't perfect. So everything was a little bit vague. And yet... I was having such an amazing time and it was like every there is nothing better than watching a Star Wars movie in a theater that is filled with massive Star Wars fans. So we get like this American behavior that we don't know in the Netherlands where people are cheering and they're yelling at the screen and they're applauding and <laughs> there was this big ovation at the la at the you know after when the end credits rolled up. It's like this is the best thing ever. But I was so overwhelmed by everything I saw, and the movie was so much better than I ever thought it would be, that I I missed so much. Like half of the time, I was like, "Oh my gosh, is that? Oh my goodness, oh my!" And then I totally ignored the dialogue. So the second time, <laughs> I was watching this in my own theater here in Amersfoort, and I'm in this comfortable chair right in the center of the movie theater. Great 3D, great audio, no pain in my neck, and I was like, "Oh wow!" So this movie is actually. <laughs> Even better than I saw it at the premiere. <laughs> so I saw it in uh, IMAX 3D. Uh, oh. I, I I like to to see it in the big the big you know 3D. The 3D was okay. I mean there were there were definitely times where it added some depth. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure it really needs it. I, no, I, but I love no. the the big screen. Yes. Uh, that that's that's what I really like to uh, to to do. And uh, because I bought my ticket in advance, I got you know the perfect seat. I you know I feel like the dead center. Uh, top to bottom, left to right is the perfect yeah. seat. That's yeah. where they they tune it for. True. Um, the the problem my theater is is they have these new chairs that are so comfortable they lean all the way back. So I'm I'm kind of like looking down my. I had the opposite problem. I'm looking down my body towards oh. the screen almost. <laughs> I'm almost fully reclined, like like the like the big fat people in the in uh, the what in was the, the oh. The, the movie with the little robot. Wally. <laughs> Wally, yes. <laughs> hey, a few uh, years so, from now, that's how we all will watch these movies. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, the, but the theater was was packed and um, uh, a lot of energy. Not the same type of energy as it was last year for The Force Awakens. Um, mm -hmm. I think, n not that it was uh, negative, just that last year there was this pent up demand. Yes. Uh, and because la I think part of it is last year I was seeing it on the, the, the first possible showing mm -hmm. whereas i was seeing it on the second day this year so that might have let you know the the real diehards like myself went the night before but um i think there was still a lot of uh a lot of people very a lot of anticipation a lot of energy in the in the theater what i noticed that was it several times during the movie people were surprised they were like oh my goodness I can't believe yeah. that this just happened or that I did you see that so there was a lot of talking during the movie like did you did you see that and there were cheers the more the movie came to its crescendo at the end I mean the more the enthusiasm was growing and by the end of the movie like there was an ovation I've not even at the at the Force Awakens premiere I'd seen and I think it was because of the surprise at the end you know with Leia appearing yes. and like oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> we did have cheers in our theater for that, yeah, that, oh. uh, to see her. And there I mean, were other the, moments, too. There were little details that where you, you know that you are with Star Wars fans when they start applauding for this squadron guy in an X-Wing fighter that people recognize from A New Hope because they took footage from the original A New Hope and pasted right. those pilots in the cockpits. And there were people that actually saw that. And I was like, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. Is like I can't imagine what people who are not like the the, the super fans 
are thinking as like as uh, red leader to, to you know red five and the and the, the everyone cheered you know <laughs> for red leader because yeah. it's obscure character from a new hope uh, that the people are cheering and and you know actually as I'm watching it um, there were times where where I'm thinking to you know I'm I'm kind of out of the movie for a second thinking that's red five oh and and this is a, a point we'll probably discussion. That's the guy who's Luke. He dies, so Luke takes yeah. his place. Yes, and and, yes. and all these little beats throughout the whole movie. The fact that, that the entire, kind of match up. Yeah, the entire Blue Squadron get, gets obliterated. That's why we don't see a Blue Squadron in A New Hope. Only gold Ex- and red. Exactly. Oh man, you could so tell that Ed, uh, Gareth Edwards, who directed the movie, is a massive Star Wars nerd. I mean, he's yes. he's one of the biggest nerds out there in the world, and and so he was the perfect. Guy to pull off this movie, which, let's be honest, is it's a tough thing to do. You're basing this on the on the opening scroll of a movie that everybody loves. It's kind of like holy territory, and you're <laughs> adding to that story. You're you're like creating an immediate tie-in, and I think you needed a huge Star Wars fan to do this in the right way. Yes, and. I, I heard many people say uh, uh, this is the best prequel. This is how you do a Star Wars prequel, and I agree. This yes, is this so should have been the much, prequel. so much better than <laughs> anything that that we, we we've seen. Um, it it, it turns it turns out that George Lucas loved this movie, which was the crown uh, on 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 all the work that Gareth Edwards put in that. The fact that George Lucas loved it be- because Lucas was very critical of the Force Awakens, but this right. he loved, and I can tell because this feels in in all the right ways like a new hope did you hear that they even asked the actors to grow their m- m- mustaches and their sideburns yes. so that they would <laughs> well, look in this that was the first thing that struck me is like oh my gosh all those hippies <laughs> <laughs> well, I noticed that the communications officer in the bunker in Yavin, who he had the big mustache and the long sideburns, and I said, they're really going for their authenticity, the, yes. that connection, which I thought was great. I was even thinking yeah. this might this may be the new trend. We've had this whole beard trend where the beards were growing and growing, <laughs> and I was like, oh, we're going to end a new era where the sideburns are back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, and uh, if I can, I want to take a, a, a little victory lap here because um, I previously had said that my prediction for this movie is that it would end with mm-hmm. the plans being handed to Leia mm-hmm. in some way. Now, I didn't realize that they would have an actual an actress with a digital representation of Leia, uh, although I kind of suspected they might. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was awesome. I mean, and, and, and literally it's seconds before the next movie yes. begins, yeah. you know, it ends. Uh, but the the thing that I think the biggest surprise for me of everything, the biggest thing that that the, the that I didn't expect was Tarkin. Me neither. Um, yeah. And when he sh- when he appeared on screen, I, it took me uh, like thirty seconds or a minute sitting there, and actually several of his different appearances to figure out is that is that an actor that they've done up who mm-hmm. looks a lot like uh, <laughs> that uh, Peter Cushing, uh-huh. or is that a digital rep- uh, representation, a, you know, a digital mask apparently, uh, and that's what it was. Yes. Uh, I mean, you could you could kind of tell it's a little, and I've seen criticism of it. Oh yeah, but, but I don't, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, what are we what are we complaining about? <laughs> this, I mean, the, when was the last time that we saw a fully digital character in Star Wars? It was Jar Jar Binks. So shut up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably the best digital characters ever done oh, on screen. Goodness. I mean, it was amazing. Th- it'll it'll get better. Now, do you know? Did did the the actor play? You know, uh, yes. filling in. Yeah, he they, did the lines? Yes. It's actually his voice that you hear. Um, this is stunning. I, uh, there are some videos uh, that you can look for um, that, that, that talk about how they did this. There's a YouTube video of a guy who explains this. Um, they hired a British actor um, who has a very elongated face, looks very much yes. already in real life like Peter Cushing. But his voice is exactly like Peter Cushing. It's scary. Wow. And then, of course, it's an actor, so he's used to you know, studying the, 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 the character that he's supposed to portray. I thought it was flawless. The, the voice convinced me even more than the face. But Fantastic. there was this gasp in a the movie theater because I stopped watching <laughs> trailers after a moment. The, the last trailer that I saw yeah. was the second story trailer, and I skipped the first story trailer because everybody was raving about it. It came out at a time that it was super busy. And you know what? People were saying things online about that trailer where I was like, I'm not sure if I want to see that because there's so much in it. So for me, a lot of the of the images were new too. Um, 
And so this movie went from surprise to surprise for me, and I'm so glad that I didn't see too much about it. And well, even even what I saw in the second story trailer, most of those shots didn't end up in the movie. I was going to say, we you know, let's talk about the trailers for a second here, because in all of the trailers that I saw, almost all the footage never made it into the actual. Yes. Like that whole, we're a rebellion, aren't we? I rebel. Yep. I mean, that that iconic line from the trailers, nowhere in the movie. The TIE and fighter it, that comes up when she's approaching the, yep. the, the, the thing there on the tower. The communications control. But yeah, the satellite control. It's a totally different scene. <laughs> Now, I have to say, uh, just a slight bit of criticism on that. Mm -hmm. It took me out of the movie a little because yeah, I'm sitting there true. like waiting. Okay, this is when the TIE fighter comes up. This is, And I'm kind yep. of not barely paying attention. And then it never comes. And I'm like, uh -huh. why, why not? <laughs> uh, so apparently what I've read is there's two things. So this is because of the reshoots. Yes. And so they did two. They had two primary goals in the reshoots. One. They wanted to change Jin's character to make her a little less arrogant, you know, mm -hmm. that I rebel thing. Yeah. And they wanted to uh, – they totally redid the ending. Yes. The, 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 the penultimate battle on the, uh, on, the, on the top of the tower against Krennic yep. um, didn't take place there. In fact, that's why we remember the, that scene of her – of Jin running on the beach holding the, the hard drive. Mm -hmm. And that scene uh, where, where, where Krennic is walking through the water on the, in, in the yes. sand. Um, and you right. see all these explosions in the background. Right. And so they, they totally reworked that ending, which uh, is OK. It's fine by me. I, uh, I, I feel like it worked. It were, I, I mean, I yes. don't know. I don't know what the original ending well, you know would what? have looked like. It's, it's but... funny. There, there's a great article. I think it's on The Verge um, where they took uh, the footage from the trailer that we did, didn't see uh, on the yes. assumption that this was all from the early cut from before they did the reshoots. And yes. they uh, do a great deduction of what the original story, the second part of the original story, would have looked like. And I'm I'm convinced that this ending is much, much improved. Um, right. There are some signs that you see. For instance, in there is this famous shot in one of the trailers where you see the, uh, the AT-ACTs approaching. And then you actually see the big satellite dish, but it's not on the tower. It's standing there on a separate pole on the beach. And uh, there is this scene where they approach a tower, remember? And then someone in the ship says, oh, I wonder what that big satellite dish is for on top of that tower. And I was like, that's something they must have put in after they did the reshoots. So they, they right. gave that tower a, a satellite dish and they wanted to end. And I think story-wise, that totally makes sense. You want to, the story to go up, 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 up. So once you're in that tower, you don't want to go down again. That's not logical. That's you, They're climbing something. And so there were, were moments where I'm thinking, uh, this is probably the best thing to do. Uh, also, the, the, you know, Krennic dying on top of that tower, it's a very not glorious heroic death. It's almost yes. like, okay, I'm going to shoot you now. <laughs> oh, he's dead. And, and, and in a way, that works for that character because he's been so ambitious. He's been like, I'm going to be the big leader, the big, you know, boss of... of of the Death Star, and then Tarkin steps in. He's like, uh, you know, this is my Death Star. You may proceed when ready. <laughs> and and he is like, he's going down every single time. He he thinks he's forwarding his his career. It's it's all falling apart. You see that? that remember the panic look when he see the sees the explosions on the beach, and he's like, oh, they're destroying my beach. And you see this uh, this growing rage. I love that about the, his his story arc. That Krennic is. You know, he goes from being the hero of of the of the uh, Imperials to basically this loser that dies because he's shot by this boyfriend of this girl. <laughs> I love that. Well, and if if you if you uh, if anyone read the the book, the Cat Catalyst, which mm -hmm. is a um, the book is the story of Galen Erso and Lyra Erso leading up and Krennic leading up to this. It takes place over the the twenty years that it took. To build the Death Star, yeah. um, and you see this this constant um, climbing of Krennic, uh, mm -hmm. this constant desire to to be, you know, raised up, and his ambition, and and and, and this they, they they did this metaphorically, but again by having him die at the peak of the tower, you know, sort yeah. of at the peak at the moment that he was about to be, you know. Uh, uh, to receive all the all that right. he wanted to get, he he gets destroyed he, by his killed, ambition, and he's killed by his own Death Star. 
that's the that's the perfect irony. Yes. And it's 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 almost like he is the symbol of what will happen later to the entire empire. And uh, I I just felt it, it was a, a very very interesting story arc and and not kind of a run of the mill. Oh, we're gonna end. We're, we're gonna finish with a big fight between the two. You know, the big enemy and the big protagonist. No, instead it's like you know this this empire the the, the pride falls and. There were a few other things where I thought I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if they made all the right choices during these reshoots. And it's been pretty exp- extensive in terms of, of, of the right. footage that has been replaced. But anyway, let's talk about the story. Um, begins with that uh, preambule that, that, you know, it's the first time that we see this, this, this you open straight in the middle of this action. Um, and it's, it's 16 years before the actual story. And we don't get a scroll. That, how did you feel about that? We knew that there wouldn't well, be a scroll. We, well, yeah, it? we knew that. But what we did have was uh, a planet, and then a, and then a pan up. Yeah, that's th- true. That is that is a signature. So it still felt like a Star Wars movie because you had that for whatever reason. That's just become a thing in all the all the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the scroll didn't didn't bother me at all no, um me neither uh, because i feels like the scroll and and I, we've talked about this uh offline and, and and in other places but the scroll feels like this that's part of a saga mm-hmm. it leads us from episode one to two to three to four yeah uh it was a particular um it's it's sort of a relic of the old newsreels or the old not newsreels but the old um, movie the classic Saturday movies of the movie, 40s popcorn movies yes the yeah where the you would a uh, serials and mm-hmm. so you'd had to be you know kept up with well previously in the in this uh, yeah. uh movie that you saw and so that that was there because lucas wanted to kind of capture that feel um the buck rogers feel for yeah. a new hope and then that kind of stayed but this is sort of signals this is a new era of Star Wars, where we're going to get different kinds of movies. Yes. Uh, so I didn't didn't bother me at all. No. It didn't it didn't hurt the the story at all. I don't think. I, it's one of the ways in which they try to uh, make this movie different. What also a pretty bold move, of course, was to hire another composer uh, and no longer have John Williams uh, score this movie. Because, of course, John Williams is already pretty old and he won't be scoring Star Wars forever. Uh, so it's right. probably a bold move. Um, th- and what was even more impressive, that, that this was a last-minute change. They had uh, first another composer, but because of the reshoots, because of the delay in, in, the, in the movie production schedule, he was no longer available to score the newer part. And so they hired Giacchino, who we know from Lost and from many other movies, didn't he do? In Star Trek. Star Trek. Um, yeah. A very versatile composer. Um, I was at first a bit apprehensive. It's like, are we going to get this you know, di- very different music? But he just, my brother is a musician. So yep. we talked at length about this. And he said, yeah, he just took all the orchestrations. Basically, he robbed, <laughs> he just took A New Hope and just pillaged it for themes and orchestrations and made it sound like Star Wars. And so for me, it felt very familiar. And it's towards yes. the, in the second part. That's where you hear more the Giacchino approach. So he does step away from the established uh, uh, type of music, but especially in the first part, I was like, this feels so much like like A New Hope. Um, yeah. They even took certain certain parts that, that really made me think of those the the, the, the quirky music of A New Hope. Because right. afterwards, John Williams became more and more kind of the, the signature John Williams sound. But there are there's music in A New Hope that is like really weird. Yeah, the Cantina Band. I mean, that was jazz. <laughs> it's, it's like, what? <laughs> but it works. Well, well, the 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 nice thing, like, so I I really like Giacchino. I like I like his soundtracks, and and I've come to recognize some of the things he does. And and, and in these second half, where more he had more of his own sort of flavor, I heard some certain musical themes that he he kind of tends to go back. His library of musical themes, mm-hmm. like. Um, the sort of uh, romantic strings sort of yeah. uh, bit that he does, uh, but at, in the end, right at that very end, where we're we're now transitioning from the the the, the our fallen heroes of Rogue One to the next, like d- that very last bit, mm-hmm. he goes back, he brings in, he and he weaves it in. It's not jarring. Mm-hmm. He no. kind of weaves in the John Williams Star Wars theme, yes. and it was it was brilliant. It was great. Yeah. It was. Yeah. 
because you know we see Leia and we know and we hear the music and we know this is the where it began, it's, and it was so great. It's the musical equivalent of what. Uh, the director did with with Star Wars because I don't know how you feel, but I was watching this and I'm thinking this is this is not just a good Star Wars movie. This is a great movie, and it's yes. taking place in the Star Wars universe, and it feels like Star Wars. But this movie brings it to a new level. This is a very modern movie in a certain way. The way it was shot, the way it's acted, is in a certain way atypical. Of a Star Wars movie, I've, this felt so much more real. For instance, the stormtroopers. Um, in 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 the current in the existing trilogy, the stormtroopers always felt a bit plasticky, and there were all yes. these memes of a stormtrooper not being able to hit anything. You know, <laughs> these stormtroopers were much better shots. Yeah, and and but these stormtroopers feel like real soldiers, not just the death troopers, but the 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 other regular stormtroopers too. Even the I noticed in the sound design. The sound of their armor sounds different from what you're used yeah. to. And this feels much more chunky. There's at one point, there's this stormtrooper that is falls to the ground, or and and you have this chunk. It's like, wow, this feels like someone who's carrying heavy armor. And um, and then towards the end, when we go inside the the blockade runner. Uh, They bring back all the sounds of A New Hope, of the beginning of New Hope, including the click, 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 click of all the armor and the people running in the corridors. And it was such a brilliant way of weaving the new into the old. Mm-hmm. I, I, this is something that I think many people probably will miss at first viewing. But if you are like us, we, we've seen A New Hope, I don't know, at least a hundred, more than a hundred times. And so you know every single bit. And and I felt that that... In this movie, they brought that back, and so it resonated a new hope. And at the same time, you felt like there's something whole new going on here, and something that we haven't seen before. And that is a great prelude, prelude to everything that we will, that will still come, because this is this is the first one of those anthology movies. And wow, if this is the standard, <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things I liked about the stormtroopers is that it kind of brought back the fact that you know. It, in the later movies uh, in uh, jedi and in um uh in empire to some degree they became the stormtroopers became a little more robotic there was less personality in them yeah. where in the you know there's less conversation among them mm-hmm. uh in the force awakens we get more personality again because of finn but this was 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 i like this because you had these like sort of side conversations between them. I, I don't know if you caught the two stormtroopers on the of course, uh, of course, and on Scarif <laughs> talking about the T fifteen yes. being obsolete, <laughs> I, I <laughs> which mean, is a reference to Luke's uh, uh, lane speeder. Yeah, my 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 brother hated that moment. He's like, "Oh come on, that's too much." But I was like, "No, that's signature Star Wars." You also have that cheddar in in the Force Awakens when when Ray is climbing that you know inside the whatever, and then you, hear, you she overhears these two. Uh, uh, stormtroopers, and they're also discussing some vehicle. Or... <laughs> this, 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 this is These are just soldiers. That's what soldiers do. <laughs> um, speaking of kind of changing our perception of of the stormtroopers, there was also a similar thing going on um, with the uh, with the rebellion. This is this is the first time that we see layers in the rebellion, and and they're not just the token good guys. And I right. was shocked. By the murder of that informant at the beginning. Yes. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen something like that from the good guys in Star Wars. This is there was some criticism of the of this Star Wars movie for that for there being that created a moral gray area. Oh, but uh, I think that 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 the rebels were not no longer just good. I am so grateful for that because that's what rebellion looks like. If you look at the history of the Second World War, the resistance wasn't just all good guys; they were just praying Hail Marys all the time while spreading, you know, throwing flower petals in the air. (laughs) There was a lot. It's a tough world. It's a tough enemy. Yes, and you have a variety of people who come to the fight for a variety of reasons and with a variety of moral. Uh, underpinnings. And I think uh, and the, the strength of Rogue One is that you see how all these different people, and some of them are super courageous and even reckless, and others are like, oh my gosh, let's not do this, let's retreat. But they all, in the end, ultimately come together. 
Yes. And and I, I loved uh, the role of Mon Mothma in this movie. I think it's the best portrayal of Mon Mothma that we've seen so far because there's, there's these nuances in the way she was portrayed as like, gosh, I, I have to lead this group of rebels, but man, how are we going to get uh, anywhere? <laughs> and then the relief now, on her face when it finally, yeah. when she dis- when she hears that there's actually a group that went to uh, <laughs> to Scarif to, to get the plans. And, and it's like, wow, that is so cool. <laughs> that was a very subtle moment where you felt like where she as the leader of this ragtag rebellion and a ragtag is really a, an apt description because again you have you have people, the more political people you have the more violent people and, and and she's trying to hold them all together but you you see this into that I can't officially say this is that they did a good thing but boy I'm glad they're doing it yeah um, <laughs> and that there was a great moment that I mean it's a very subtle moment and I'm glad that uh, Gareth Edwards put it in there but even in even in the midst of that then you have saw Guerrera who's even too radical for these guys. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, the, I kind of wish we had a little more on that. Like, yes. what was what was he doing that was more radical? Well, uh, you know what? He's going to be part of, of Star Wars Rebels. So yes. I, I'm, I'm thinking they probably saved that for Star Wars Rebels. And it's very Star Wars to introduce us to characters that have little screen time. But yep. you know that they must have a backstory. I mean, that, that's people have been right. complaining about certain, even the 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 rebels that, that accompany uh, uh, Jin. Uh, the, the people are complaining. Well, you know what, uh, Baze wasn't really worked out that well, and perhaps we should should have seen more seen more of uh, what was his name, Bodhi. Um, yep. But I'm thinking, you know, that's that's what Star Wars has always done. That's why Star Wars is a universe, and there are novels, and there are going to be spinoffs, and there may be even. S- even anthology movies 20 years from now based on characters that were introduced in Rogue One. Why not? Right. So exactly. I'm, th- I'm thinking, for instance, of, of um, uh, what was his name? Um, was it uh, the the blind guy? I always forget what it was. Cheru. And Chiru. his companion. Um, yep. and and you you hear that they just mentioned casually yeah they're guardians they you used to be guardians of the wills and I'm thinking oh journal of the wills oh my god geek out <laughs> <laughs> other people's like what wills what I have to explain my brother who is a massive Star Wars fan and he didn't know what it was but I'm thinking okay so the the the, the temple is in disarray the the empire is pillaging uh, the last resources of uh, the kyber crystal and and you can tell that these two are no longer guardians of the wills and and one has has lost his faith and and yet they team up and there's this whole like almost conversion moment i'm thinking there there we see too little of them and the first yes. time i saw the movie i was like i'm not even sure i like these new additional characters because i you know i don't have a, a an emotional connection with them and the second time i saw it i already started to like them more because you get used to them, you recognize them, and they're, we get introduced to a ton of new characters with little screen time. And I'm glad because the, the emphasis was on Jin, and it should have been on Jin, and on what's his name, Cashin? Cashin. Yeah. So Cashin and Jin get way more character development than the others. But I'm thinking, you know what? We'll probably see this in one form or another later on, yes. and it will give the movie more, even more weight. No. Let me ask you, now that we brought up Chirrut and Baze, what do you think of the introduction of this religion surrounding the Force? I mean, the fact that Chirrut walks walks around, you know, yes. chanting, uh, "I am," you know, "The Force is with me. I am one with the Force." That's a that's that's almost a Christian mantra, like it's, the it's, Spirit, it's, it's Holy a, it's Spirit. A, this is, it's a Jesus prayer. That was the first thing that I thought in the Eastern yeah. or uh, Eastern Church. You have this Jesus prayer is a very very short prayer that you repeat over and over again. So it's not about the words. It's about you know uniting yourself to Christ. And I was like. Wow, they just took this and just put it straight in the heart of Star Wars. And I know a few agnostic Star Wars fans that are going to be upset about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked it because it, 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 again, it adds a dimension to the Force. And uh, remember that even Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and Darth Vader were accused of being crazy people and hokey religion and stuff. So we have indications in the canon of Star Wars, the existing canon of Star Wars, that the Force was not just this kind of, um, uh, let's say, it wasn't new, magic new, tool new for agey the... magic yeah. force or, or, or disembodied energy, but it was part of a religion. And, and therefore a religion of a cult and certain places where this cult is celebrated. And 
I think this is something, this is what we should have seen in the prequels. And I'm, I'm stunned that we don't see that and that instead uh, George Lucas went the way of the midichlorians and, and trying to, giving this whole biological nonsense about the Force. This is the way to enhance the, the backstory of the Force. And, you know, did you, did you notice the, the place, Jeddah, the, the planet, uh, I forgot yes. the name of the city. Yeah. My first thought was when I saw that, and I, again, I hadn't seen the first story trailer, so for me this was like, oh my goodness, this looks awesome. That big Star Destroyer on top of that rock. <laughs> yep. I'm immediately thinking, this is Masada. Do you know the story of Masada? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. This big, I was... It looks identical. It's this big rock in the Judean desert where the rebels uh, uh, got together in in the this is around the year 70 after Christ when the temple is destroyed there's this resurgence of the uh, this Jewish uh, rebellion against the Romans and they retreat on that mountain that looks exactly like like that city it's just much smaller it was a big fortress yeah. there i think even built by wasn't it built by uh, Herod anyway so there's a big yep. fo- fortress on top and then uh, the, the Romans are like doing this siege on that rock, on Masada, and it ends in a total tragedy where everyone gets killed or there's this suicide is a bit unclear. But anyway, the, the situation is desperate because, of course, the Romans are so much more powerful. And I was like, wow, this is a Star Wars equivalent because you literally see the the Star Destroyer is is between that place of pilgrimage, which it was, Yep. And and the heavens, it's blocking the light. It's it's like so symbolic. Not only does it look cool to see the star destroyer, you know, in 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 below the what is it the the, the it, out of space or in in, our, yep. in the atmosphere, but it's also a massively symbolic uh, uh, moment where the empire is is replacing religion, and it takes yes. away the heart of religion. Literally, the heart of religion is taken away by the empire. So it's now, what did you? I'm yeah. sorry. Speaking of that, what did you think of this idea that the the Death Star's super weapon is powered by the very object at the center of the Jedi power, the Kyber crystal? It's amazing. It's, it's I thought it was a great idea. Perversion of of the heart of uh, of that Jedi religion. <laughs> so it's yes. it's literally taking something that was meant for for good for the light side of the Force. You know, it's the heart of every lightsaber. And then it's it's using it for destruction, just like the you know Vader has this kyber crystal inside his red lightsaber and uses it to kill people. And it's and 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 what I loved is is that the kyber crystal is super rare, but the the best place to mine it is in this temple of the Jedi. I thought it was whoa. I thought it was going to be a war movie, but it's so much more than a war movie. This adds right. Lots of layers of meaning to to the main mythology, or you could even say theology in a certain way, of Star Wars. And I totally did not see that coming. Uh, I'm curious how much of this now uh, approach to the Force will will we see in the Force Awakens, uh, the sequel, the you know, Episode Eight. Uh, I don't, I don't know. think we have a name for it yet. Um, and in others like that, uh, whether this is something that will carry over, whether this is something that Disney and Lucasfilm will want to, is, is said. This is how we treat the Force now in all our so. movies. I don't think so. Of course, it's not canon, so they'll have to perhaps tweak some lines to make sure that it is yeah. part of it. But the script for the sequel to The Force Awakens has been had been already written before they even started to develop the story of uh, of Rogue One. So right. I I don't think uh, they definitely will do stuff with the Force. You you can tell that there is so much potential with it. Yep. But they can actually ignore it because there's been this seizure that, that there is no passing on of that old religion because it ended with Obi-Wan and he died and then Yoda gave some some stuff to to Luke but it was all very partial very fragmented and the way we see the force acting in the force awakens is almost by intuition it's almost like hey I'm back again I'm the force nice to meet you did you know that <laughs> no I didn't know that I mean uh, ray uh, is is almost surprised by the force. She's 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 natural, but she doesn't have that knowledge. And in a way, Han Solo becomes the 
the the apostle that passes on these old stories about the force, but he dies before spoiler <laughs> before he, right. he can even explain the ins and outs. So I don't know if, if there's going to be a new Yoda figure or whatever. But I did not expect the force to be in this movie at all. And, right. And uh, what I also liked is that it is not the force in the way that we've seen it in the current movies, but it is more. This is more the the cults the cultish incarnation of the Force. So uh, I even wonder if the Force was involved in, in um, what's his name? The blind guy? Chirut. <laughs> yeah. Chirut. Uh, Imwe. Um, uh, avoiding all those blaster shots because he's invoking the Force. But is that a Force yeah. moment that he's not hit? Or is it just sheer luck? Because, you know, you have that same scene in A New Hope at the beginning. <laughs> where C-3PO and R2-D2 have to cross the corridor. And they, have I you saw seen this, the meme? Yeah, I saw the meme. It's like, uh, <laughs> the, force, the Force is with me. I'm one with the Force. <laughs> but I think it could just be sheer luck, you know? Or or the Force is is steering this, it, you know, in in a more meta form. Like like in, in, in Catholicism, you have the God's providence, which doesn't always mean that you have mystic powers at work, but it's like right. somehow the things, the events are part of a bigger plan that you can only see in hindsight. Something like that. Well, it's, I mean, isn't that sort of the, the whole idea of faith is, um, you know, I, I have faith and, and, and I don't know whether you know it got there is a, a miraculous uh, force making the the, the 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 stormtroopers miss me, or if 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 right. I'm being directed by a by the force or uh-huh. God. Um, but it's whatever the whatever it is, is you you can have an explanation that it's I'm just being lucky. Yeah. You can have an explanation that I'm being guided. Force but one way or another, a, it's yeah, happening. For the force, uh, faith is not always just just miracles. Just like the force is not just Yoda lifting up a, an X-wing fighter from a from a swamp. That's not just what the force is. Um, but the force, living with the force, is also a, a way of looking at the world, and that's what I like that they introduced. It's basically you know that when we first hear. Uh, the uh, uh, Chirrut talk about the force. It's on the marketplace, and he's like the the force of others, and he uses it basically for divination and to make a buck. Mm-hmm. And and it's a very instrumental way of talking about. It almost looks like an imposter or someone who is like um, not not a real f- someone who really believes in the force, but it's just convenient for him to make to make a buck. But I like that, he, and he's talking about the force of others, which at first I was find, find, found it a bit bit jarring, like the force of others that. That's not the force. That's not how you call the force. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I liked it because that's probably one of those ancient ways of calling the force. It's 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 a, a, perhaps a ritual designation of the force. There are so many th- things that they can do with the, what was we saw in this movie. But I want to move from the force to droids, and more specifically mm-hmm. to KT K two S O. <laughs> who is now my next new favorite droid in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Played by Alan Tudyk yes. of, uh, of Firefly Flame. Now, I have to tell you, the whole time he was piloting that, that the, the U-Wing and the other, the other ship, I kept waiting for him to say something along the lines of, I'm a leaf on the wind. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. And actually, he's a very different character from the character in Firefly. Um, oh, definitely. But but it's so funny and it's so understated the humor and the the the, the dry comments. Uh, but still a very lovable droid in his own way. Well, it was a unique personality. We'd yeah. never seen a droid with that sort of personality. Like Chopper from Star Wars Rebels sort of has that uh, that's mischievous personality, but it's a non-vocalizing droid. Yeah, so and Ch- Chopper we don't, is we don't more like the, the the grumpy Smurf or the grumpy dwarf. You know, it's, it's yeah. But this was there was a bit of a a, a, a a hint of almost of resignation of like I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not programmed for it. I'm not made for this. <laughs> he was he was a cynic. He was such a cynic. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I love like the the way he delivered the line when you know, uh, they found out that Jin had the blaster mm-hmm. and and he says to to uh, Cassian, you know what you know what the odds are of that she's going to turn that blaster on you. It's high. <laughs> Yes. It's very high. <laughs> I mean, there's there's that that way of saying it that it's it's very human, and yes. I, and it just it was a, a a very funny moment. I mean, everybody in the theater uh, 
uh, got the joke. Yeah, so it was it was really yes. good. But my brother made a good point about the droids. He said what he loved about K two K two S O was again you have a droid here that thinks he's talking on the same level as human beings, but right. the human beings don't. They just see him as a droid, you know. <laughs> and and so it's it's this irony of these droids that almost are like Pinocchio. They want to be like humans. But they're not really, like we take them ser- perhaps too seriously. They self, they themselves think that they are on equal footing with with the humans. But then they're still just robots. And the moment that made me laugh so much, and I think it's the best line of K two S O, where you see this this difference in hierarchy, is like when he says, "I've got a bad shut up." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. You're just waiting for someone to say, I've got a bad feeling about this. And then it's like, I've got a bad shut up. <laughs> well, and it has to be him because he's like, he's the doom and gloom yes, guy. He yes. sees he sees the, 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 the cynical the approach to it. I was yeah, also that, thinking of, of uh, do you know in the original script, the, the one of the early versions of, of uh, the Star Wars script by George Lucas, he originally envisioned uh, C-3PO to be this kind of grumpy cars, car salesman mentality droid. Um, and, huh. and George Lucas was very perturbed when he heard Anthony Daniels giving his C-3PO this kind of British uh, butler-like uh, way of doing things, and, and, and Lucas hated it. He, he <laughs> In his mind, C-3PO was kind of this rough guy, this cynical droid, this like, I don't care. And and I wouldn't be surprised that when they were thinking of, you know, what, what kind of droid can we introduce here, that they went back to that, just like they went back for several things to the original, the very early drafts of Star Wars. You know that that reminds me of is, do you know uh, Futurama? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it reminds me of Bender right. from yes. Futurama. Yes. He's a, le- a bit less vulgar. <laughs> yes, a bit, a bit less. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, it's another droid or robot that doesn't behave like a regular robot. <laughs> now, of course, there was a, this this little appearance of Chopper at the Rebel base, which was cool. Yep. Uh, we get this surprise uh, moment with uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO towards the end, which is very, very short. And, and thankfully so. I would yes. not have appreciated a bigger role for them. Um, but it continues the 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 the, uh, the streak, which is the only two characters to appear in every single yep. Star Wars movie. Yes, are R two D two and C three PO. Yeah, I also <laughs> loved a number of the new characters, and I was genuinely uh, sad to see them die. And and I wasn't yes. the only one. I actually there were some people that were really emotional about it. Yeah, and and it's different for every person. That's the funniest thing. So I had people saying, "Oh my God, they killed Chirrut," and I was like, "Okay, they killed Chirrut." It wasn't my favorite character, <laughs> and some people <laughs> were like, "Oh my gosh, that's the best one," and they were laughing at the things he was saying. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, not my, just not my guy." Uh, and and instead, I loved Bodhi, uh, the guy get, that gets this mind. Is it Bodhi that gets mind wiped by this tentacle guy, uh, tentacle monster? Yeah. The- the def- the pilot who defected, yes. I just it's like such a great character, and he's like after his mind wipe, he's he's kind of like uh, a bit clumsy, but he's also yeah. in his way he's heroic and he's kind of the underdog of the movie, and then he becomes the one who gets stuck with this. Uh, MacGuffin. There are a number of MacGuffins in the story. But like, yes. well, we have to connect this to that. It was like, okay, yeah, right. You just needed that for the story. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 in this universe where we have hyperdrive, but we still need to. Yep. We, we don't have Wi-Fi. Yep. 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 And and we need to upload a file, and we need this massive satellite dish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've I've I felt that like that I've had to do that sometimes uploading a file. <laughs> yes. Occasion. Yeah. Yeah. In some areas in the United States, you may want to have an internet connection that is like that. <laughs> so you know the the character that I felt the most uh, their their demise the most was actually Galen Erso because uh-huh. because of reading Catalyst. Yeah. Um, I felt like I I understood this guy who. He was a brilliant scientist who always wanted to try to do the right thing and who was just had his 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 fate was set and his work was perverted by the Empire and by evil mm-hmm. uh, through no fault of his own. And only he only ever wanted to do the right thing. Um, and that there in the end, you know, he he ended up, you know, giving his life to. And he's I mean, if you want to talk about a hero, he's the hero that saves everything because. 
he he puts the the flaw in the Death Star that lets Luke blow it up. True, uh, true. I mean that yeah. that the, the in that sense. Um, and it was it the, was the most emotional moment where you really yeah. feel for Jin, and it's like she's yeah. losing her father that she has barely known. And I love that that line that he says, "Wow, I uh, look at you." That's a that's what a father says to his daughter, right? Look at oh, you. Yeah. Look at you. And I've got well, so that's... much to tell. And then he dies. I was like, oh. <laughs> I suppose that's the other reason that was affected me most, being being a dad um, yeah. myself. Um, speaking of uh, the deaths, I feel like – I don't want to sound callous. Mm -hmm. I feel like the deaths were appropriate Yeah. in that, you know, with everyone dying in the end um, because it made the stakes higher. It made yes. the sacrifice so much more, yes. but it also was necessary so that a new hope, so that when Luke and Han and Chewbacca and and Leia blow up the Death Star, um, that they're the heroes because right, right. they've survived. You can't. You, uh, you don't want to watch A New Hope thinking, well, well, Chirrut is always there to save the day in case Luke fails. <laughs> that wouldn't work. Well, <laughs> and also when they're handing out the medals at the end, and poor Chewbacca doesn't get one, uh, that. You know why? Why is you know if if Jin and Cashin and all those guys were still alive? Why? Well, they should be up there too. Yeah. You know, but yeah, but true. they weren't. Yeah. Um, so it makes that scene feel right. Yeah. Um, in, in that sense. And and uh, this is also the send off of Bail Organa. They brought yes. back Jimmy Smith to play him, uh, uh, which was a little bit jarring because he looked different from the previous he's older now of course but yes um but anyway i was still glad that he was in the movie and that he actually plays a pretty pivotal role here um because it makes again the destruction of alderaan so much more impactful right well and also um to kind of call out something i i wrote last week i wrote a blog post before seeing the movie mm -hmm. kind of exploring this idea of, of why did they go and get uh, Obi Wan. Then you know they had the plans to the Death Star. Why were they you know stopping yeah. off to get mm -hmm. Obi Wan? Yeah. Um, well, this kind of explains it. I mean that it explains that line where Leia says in the hologram, "My you know you fought with my but next to my father in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, he and he needs you now." And and you can see that moment between or Bale and <sighs> Mon, Mothma, Mon Mothma where they where this said, "Now is the time. Now is yeah. the time to bring the last That's Jedi brilliant. out of retirement." And, and, and Bale is like, "Yeah, I know this this guy." <laughs> <laughs> and I have someone else to, re and I would trust her with my life. And like oh, talking yeah. about Leia, that was amazing, and it was very understated. You know, they didn't really. If if this had been written by George Lucas, that would have been a, been a big expos expository <laughs> moment, probably. I don't know. You know, perhaps. my daughter, the adopted yeah. one. Yes, Leia. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then he immediately walks away, goes out the door, and if yeah. you listen closely, you hear him call for Captain Antilles. Oh, that's awesome. Which I was great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that moment. And, and some people may think it's Wedge, but it's the captain of the diplomatic sure. cruiser. Yeah. Amazing. I, ah, what did you think of Vader? Vader, Vader was back oh, yeah. briefly. Um, but that was, of course, I, 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 we knew that he was going to be in there. But golly, that yes. last scene with that corridor where all the rebels are trapped. Oh, I'm, my gosh. I was holding my breath. That, is, that was the best Darth Vader fight scene Wasn't in all it? the movies oh my goodness he was he was i mean implacable was is that word like he's marching down the corridor and the oh. guy's trying to get the door open oh. and it's like he's coming for you he's coming yes. i mean there was a lot of tension i know that they get the guy gets the thing through the door and vader doesn't get it from him i mean i know that already mm -hmm. but there's still that tension oh. and and just how he cast them aside oh. And it's like the, the the gruesomeness of the violence of it. He's like force choking one. The other one gets thrown to the ceiling and it's he uses his lightsaber. And the, the, it's like for every rebel, he has a, a like a particular special death. <laughs> and it's, yes. oh, you mean, golly. But, but what I love about the, the way they portrayed this is the fear is, is not, you don't experience the fear by seeing Darth Vader, because we're so used to Darth Vader. That was my big issue. How are they going to make Darth Vader menacing? Because we've seen him so much. He's we over, also know he's that whiny he's kid inside. Yeah, we still have that, <laughs> no! Our, like, yes. How am I ever going to take Vader seriously? But the way they pulled it off was by showing the fear on the face of those rebels that are trapped in that corner. And it's like, this is so brilliant. 
to give us this. It's like when you see um, the Passion of the Christ. Um, yeah. You have Jesus, and he's carrying his cross, and he looks at all bloody and terrible. But you know what? The thing that made me cry was not seeing Jesus, uh, or it was, you know, the, but it was seeing Mary, his mother, yes. cry. And that yes. just pulled all my heartstrings. And I think in this way, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a similar way of evoking a strong emotion, not by the force of, the, of, of Vader in this case, but by seeing the emotion on other people's faces. And we're, we're, we have empathy. So we, we identify with those rebels. And it's like, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, they're going to die. They're all going to well, die. Well, that's a great, great filmmakers understand that. It's the, like to, to evoke that great emotion, you ha- it has to be on the face of, the per- of someone on screen who you you know they're feeling the emotion you want the uh, yeah. audience to feel in yeah. jaws when the shark is coming it's the fear on the on the on the mm-hmm. person who's being attacked i mean it's that sort of thing when, um, when, when K- having him yeah when K- k2so dies uh, yes. I mean, it's a robot. How much emotion can you put on a metal face? But the moment you realize, oh, gosh, he's dying, is when you see Cashin's reaction. And he's yes. like, oh. And I mean, it's, this is the most heroic ro- droid dead death that I've seen. Uh, oh, yeah. It was so well done. And and I think from the reconstructions that I've read, this wasn't even in the original version. This is part of the reshoots that he sacrifices himself. And I was like, Wow. <laughs> this is that we see a robot and you really feel for like I'm losing a friend. Amazing. I mean, this movie you know, does so many amazing things. Speaking of back to Darth Vader for a second. Yeah. When we saw. So it turns out um, the planet that Krennic goes to to meet Darth Vader was mm-hmm. never identified on screen. It has but, to be. Uh, uh, it was. Yeah. Pablo Hidalgo, who is the, the head of story for Lucasfilm, he's yeah. the guy who he keeps all this. Mm-hmm. He says that was Mustafar. Of course it was. So, even, so you have the, this. The castle or the, 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 the fortress looked like the original sketches by uh, what's his name? Uh, Ralph McQuarrie. Ralph McQuarrie. Which it looked like Barry Dirt to me, you know, the, in Mordor where Sauron <laughs> yeah, lives. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very it evoked that, but it it's a very interesting way that they've expanded the 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 backstory of Darth Vader, which is he stayed on the planet where he was yeah. disfigured. He made that his base of operations, yeah. and he's in the Bacta um, tank every day. Yes, I was like, oh and, wow, and look at the, the, the irony that Luke Skywalker, his son, will end up in a Bacta tank many years exactly. later. It was like those little similarities. I love that as a Star Wars fan. Well, and that there apparently was this cult surrounding him, these servants, the yeah. Imperial guards, and this cloaked figure well, and who did you, did you notice that those red gar- Imperial guards are basically a ripoff of those religious figures that you see in the city of Jedi? Yes. There you also have these strange and I was like, wow, these look like I don't know, oriental religious priests or whatever. And I was like, oh, the empire just ripped off like religious symbolism and put it in their own army to evoke well, awe and stuff. Well, I wonder now if those are no longer you know, we've always called them the imperial guard, but what if they weren't really imperial guard, but there's some sort of Sith guard? So Could like be. the the yeah. equivalent to the guardians of the wills, uh-huh. the the Sith equivalent of that, a a sort of um, a yeah. force religious group I that mean, surrounds. There, there's a the, lot of religious symbolism and 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 even cultural behavior in in the uh, on the Empire side. I mean, look at, at Darth yeah. Vader kneeling in front of the Emperor, things right. like that. Uh, that there, there's. You see it even in The Force Awakens where it's almost as if you're entering a temple where you see this big projection of that, you know, unknown bad guy. Sno- Snoke, Snoke, yeah. Snoke. And, and he's <laughs> like, okay, this is this is definitely has a religious vibe to it and it's on purpose. Oh, by the way, speaking of The Force Awakens, what I loved about The Force Awakens was the bickering between the the bad guys. You know, it was like uh, yes. my career, your career. And, and you had that in Rogue One as well between uh, – uh, uh, Tarkin and Krennic. Tarkin and Krennic. Yeah. And, and Krennic is like, he goes to Darth Vader, is like, yeah, could I could I talk to the Emperor? Because I really <laughs> think you should know that I'm really the guy who made that Death Star. And <laughs> Vader is like, don't <laughs> let your ambitions choke you. <laughs> now, again, Darth Vader, the, one of the interesting things about the, the if you look closely at the, the outfit, and I didn't see this on first viewing, I saw this, someone pointed out later, it's... There was a difference in the in the Vader costume between A New Hope and and the later movies. Yes, they um, darkened the it, eyes. 
Yeah, well, yes. In fact, the original eyes were more red, red yes. lenses as opposed mm-hmm. to black lenses. The seams on the on the costume, uh, you know, on the helmet and the armor was different, oh. and the, the the control panel they looked a little cheaper, quote okay. unquote, yeah. for, in a New Hope. Uh, and so they, so Gareth Edwards went back to that. He wanted Whoa. to have that that connection. He wanted, yeah. he didn't want it to be jarring. I thought that was a fantastic, oh, uh, you know, c- continuity. Really, I, I love the the fact that they had red eyes because that was basically the only way they could do the mask with an actor in it at first. Exactly. And, and I didn't George Lucas go in the special editions darken those gla- those those. He took away that red color, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. And in yeah. this case, I'm like, but this is this is how you do a prequel. This is how you create continuity because, of course, that armor gets upgraded from time to time and he gets a new control panel for Christmas from from the Emperor. You know, <laughs> it was on the top of his list, on his wish list. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, if he, if he goes into battle with people, you know, he gets damage or whatever. I mean, he gets, he replaces parts. I mean, it makes sense. So that why, Absolutely. why, so no need to, no need to go back and change things. And that was, yeah. well, that's Lucas's particular mania so we, yeah, yeah. we don't need to go over that again but, but star wars is in good hands that's what i felt i was i felt relieved i was like i loved the force awakens i'm i'm really not part of the group that says oh it's just a rehash of, of a new hope i think uh, uh, force awakens I don't think is people the, get it it's the best that we could get and yeah uh, but now that i've seen rogue one i'm thinking oh my gosh we are entering the most glorious time to be a star wars fan <laughs> i'm almost 50 years old now but when i was a child at 12 years old i I knew that there would be a new revival of the. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> oh, and then you get to prequels, and it's like, um, yeah, perhaps not. And then I'm like, wow, I feel like uh, the, like a, a guy in the temple in Jerusalem is like, uh, now that I've seen that Star Wars will continue <laughs> the right way, I can now close my eyes. And <laughs> <laughs> you know. I wonder about what you think of the what we've seen so far of the Lucas Disney approach to a Star Wars cinematic universe mm-hmm. versus the say the Marvel and DC approach to their cinematic universe. So like the Marvel approach mm-hmm. is we have individual characters all in the same time period yeah. um, that have their individual movies and then they get together for a group movie and then the individual. This one is like we know is different. We've, we have the saga, yeah. which is g- going to be uh, we have two more of the movies in the saga. And then we have these anthology movies, which are related because they're in the same universe, but they're not necessarily even going to all have the same, you know, be built off of characters or lines from, from previous yeah, movies. We'll probably do that for the first few ones, so you mm-hmm. know that the Han Solo movie is going to show you the Kessel Run. They have to. I mean, right. that, that would of be course. stupid not to. But <laughs> but I think over time they don't need that anymore. And I actually like this approach better because I'm I'm not I'm not sure I don't know if you think about that or our listeners have the same, but I've got the feeling the Marvel formula is getting old. I was like I still enjoy those movies, but they're right. interchangeable. When I saw uh, uh Doctor Strange, I'm thinking uh, I love it, but it been there, done that. You know, it's, 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 yes. this is just another, this is just Iron Man combined with this and that, and that gives you, it's like the same cocktail, the same ingredients, just served differently. And I think right. with this approach, they give themselves much more leeway to try out new things, to surprise us, to see what sticks. And um, the, the the only, the, I think the the most daunting task for them is to make the sequel to The Force Awakens because that's going to be so pivotal. If that movie fails or, is, right. is, you know, it could go could go the the way of The Hobbit. <laughs> Where, yeah. you know, the first movie, everyone's like, oh my gosh, The Hobbit, we're back in Middle Earth. And the second movie is like, uh, that was kind of not as, not as good as the first one. And the third one is like, um, The Hobbit? Oh well, yeah, it's that coming out on DVD. That's coming out on DVD soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, by the third movie, people people are going, "Why is that dwarf riding a pig?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I think episode eight is big. I think also whatever happens after episode nine, yeah. uh, because we don't know. Once once the saga is complete, and and what do we do now? Do we? Uh, do we have more movies with Ray and Finn and Poe? Do we continue into the future? What, I'm I'm curious. They've Disney has not shown its hand if on I what were, their plans are. If I were Disney, 
I would just plan another trilogy and I would continue the bloodline of the Skywalkers because that is something just like the Bible, man. Yeah. We were reading the Bible every Sunday in church and those stories have been written over a course of centuries. I'm thinking if (laughs) Disney is smart, they'll just look at the Bible. It's like, we're going to do something similar. We're just going to be like the royal (laughs) heritage of of King David. Look at how many centuries that spans. Jesus is a descendant of King David. I'm thinking, just take that. Put it on Star Wars, and you're good for the next few centuries. <laughs> right. I mean, because Star Wars is as much the story of the Skywalker family it's as it is about be. anything else. That's why Ray has to be a Skywalker. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to not have a Skywalker in Episode Eight, except for Luke, the surprise is, is going to be that Finn's a Skywalker. <laughs> okay, that's something for another time and another place. We need to start wrapping this uh, this up. There is, of course, so much more that we can say about uh, Rogue One, but we hope that we gave you at least a primer of our enthusiasm and our thoughts. And uh, join the discussion. Join the Facebook group. Join join us on social media. The links are all in the show notes on tridio.com. That's T-R-I-D-E-O.com. If you love this show, if you like our podcast please consider also supporting us because we are in the middle of our winter fund drive, but we're coming up short. We need to raise $50,000 to continue in 2017 to bring you these shows and to do even more. But right now, we are very, very far away for, uh, from reaching that goal. So if you are a fan of what we do, and you have a little bit of change to spare. It doesn't have to be a big donation. I mean, we love our monthly donors, but if you only have a buck to spare, you know, or or perhaps you want to sell your Lance Peter and uh, and help us out that way. <laughs> you know, you're not going to return to that planet anyway. So, just but however you help, even if it's just by your positive your feedback or leaving a review, it's all welcome. But we we need to do this with you. It's like the rebellion. We we can't miss you. thanks for listening thanks Dom it was a pleasure and uh, we will do this uh, again sometime soon yes have a great day and may the force be with you